Hey, welcome again to Rockbridge Community Church, wherever you've gathered in any of our five locations. My name is Matt. Just delighted to welcome you here. We're going to get busy in the book of Ezra again as we're navigating through this amazing Old Testament book of history. Before we do that, I want to just pause and I have a time of prayer with you. I'm going to ask us to pray for a couple of things. First, we're going to pray for one another. Every week, we're privileged that uh, you turn in a next step card or prayer requests come in through our pastoral care uh, sites and emails and things of that nature. So I want us to pray for one another. There's probably not a single person uh, in here today that doesn't have some reason or some prayer request. And so we're going to stand in the gap for one another. Second, I want to ask you to continue to pray as uh, our church is discerning about adding a sixth camp campus in uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, uh, with a potential partnership with a, with a church there that's asked to become part of Rockbridge. Our elders, directional elders meet this Sunday afternoon. Just ask you to pray for wisdom, for God's will to be done. And then third, we're going to pray for ourselves that you're not here by accident. Uh, I believe every single one of us is sitting or standing here for a reason, and I want us to all receive it today. Uh, whatever God has for you, that he'd give you ears to hear it, eyes to see it, and the courage and faith to go do it. Let's pray together. God, we love you so much, only because you first loved us. That God, love always originates from you, comes from you. And Lord, I pray that your love just catches us, fills us, and changes us. God, right now there's some people here today, they've submitted prayer requests, whether it's a marriage, whether doubt about you, God, whether it's a job issue, a health issue. Know what people that they know that are far from you, God. We all are people who just need your mercy and grace, just like we need the air to breathe that you provide for us in creation. We need the grace and mercy that you provide for us and purchase for us on the cross. So I pray that for everybody in Rockbridge that has asked for us to pray for them, that your grace and mercy would meet them in their place, in their time, in their season of need. God, second, we ask for wisdom. We have a possibility in Cleveland, Tennessee. God, we know your kingdom is way bigger than Rockbridge Community Church. We know that your vision uh, for your people is to be about making disciples, not just in one place, but all over the world, all over the planet, crossing ethnic and language and geographic boundaries. So God, if faithfulness for Rockbridge looks like a sixth campus in Cleveland, then God, give us the faith to see it and the courage to seize it and do it. But God, if it's not your will or this time for you, God, put a check in on us and, and, and give our elders this, that collective wisdom because uh, we only want to say yes to the paths that you're leading and the places that you're sending us. And God, third, tonight, I just, in this weekend, I pray for all of us. There's a reason we're all sitting here. And God, I just pray you give us eyes to see that reason, ears to hear it, the faith and courage to go and do it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen and amen. So I, I don't know about you, but I, I think there's certain things that just don't, that they have to go with something in order to be good, in order to be effective, right? So for example, uh, sweet and tea, right? Sugar and tea just have to go together. When I lived up north in the Navy, you could not find sweet tea if your life depended upon it. I couldn't understand it for the life of me. But, you know, it's tea, but it's not really tea unless it's sweet tea, right? Uh, if you've got, if you like French fries, to me, there, there's nothing worse than a French fry without ketchup. You just got to have it. It just goes together. It's better together. Sure, it's a French fry, but unless it's got something red on it, it doesn't count in my book. And then I don't know if you like those uh, Japanese steakhouses and those... Uh, uh, 
hibachi places, the yum yum sauce. I am telling you what, I could drink this for a living, okay? And now you can get this at Walmart. And my belief is if, if Walmart's got it, we probably need it, okay? So yum yum sauce. <clears throat> and, and, but there's just certain things that just go together and you need them to kind of go together to make it, mm, to make it, ooh, to make it special, right? And I'm going to talk about something today in, in part uh, four here of Ezra, the way back, that I'm convinced every single one of us needs. But you may not know you need it. You may not know what it is. And you may be just like used to your tea unsweet, and then somebody puts sugar in it. You're like, wow, I didn't know what I was missing. It may be like hibachi or like without yum-yum. Whoa, I didn't know what I was missing. Or french fries without ketchup. Whoa, I didn't know what I'm missing. But what I'm going to talk to us about tonight and this weekend is, is this, that you know, we can live our normal lives, and that means the normal life in the eyes of them as Americans or normal lives in the world as it exists today, without this thing, just like you can have fries without ketchup and hibachi without yum-yum and tea without sweet, but you can't live your purpose unless you have it. This is what, this, there's, it's just one word. But you can't live your purpose without it. And when you seize this and understand this, it, it will be like, wow, how did I ever have French fries without ketchup? How did I ever have tea without sweet? How did I ever have hibachi without yum yum? All right? And what is it that I'm talking about? It's, it's the favor of God. It's the favor of God. Now, now again, I, we're from all walks of life. And so some of you, I don't know what that means. We're going to get there. Some of you may think you know what it means. We're going to get there. But I want us to all, it's just right now in the stillness, the quietness of your soul and your heart, would you just begin to say, hey, God, whatever that is, uh, I think I need it or I want it or I want to understand it. Because it is a powerful concept. It is a powerful way to understand how God wants us to live. Now, to introduce us to the favor of God, we continue navigating through uh, the book of Ezra. And just for a quick review, what we've learned is for 70 years, God had sent his people into exile into Babylon and Persia. That is modern-day Iran and Iraq. And he promised that 70 years after they had been sent, they would be allowed to return. And sure enough, God's promise, God's word came true. And we've seen about 50,000 people make the journey back in, into Jerusalem. And they, they began to rebuild the temple and the altar, and they're eventually going to start rebuilding the city and the walls around the city. And those are the Old Testament books of Ezra and Nehemiah. It was one book in the original. We've broken them into two. And then there's two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, that speak during those seasons. So those are the four books of the Bible that cover this historical period. And in, in chapter 7, we zero in on the man Ezra himself. And he leads a second group back to Jerusalem. So the first group comes with Yeshua, the high priest, and Zerubbabel, the governor. We've been looking at them for the past several weeks. This is a second wave. It's about one th we think it's about 1,754, 1,754 of them. They come about 57 years after the events of chapter 6. So from 6 to 7, there's a 57-year gap. And then Ezra begins talking or, or begins dialoguing with us. And we're going to zero in on uh, the, the title figure of this book of the Bible named Ezra. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Ezra chapter 7. You can turn them on, open them up, 
or follow along with me. After these events, so these are, those are the events of chapter 6, 57 years earlier. During the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, Ezra... And then they give us Ezra's genealogy, and what the author really wants us to see is that he's connected to Aaron, Aaron from Exodus, Aaron who was Moses' right-hand man, Aaron who was the high priest. So Ezra has blood connection, genealogical connection to Aaron. So Ezra is a holy person by his genealogy because he's going to come from the high priest. And he comes up from Babylon says that he was a scribe, so that's someone who is skilled in the law, skilled in the Old Testament or the, the words of Moses, the teachings of Moses. He was skilled in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. The king had granted him everything he requested. So Ezra goes and asks the king, and he says, hey, I want to basically bring a second group back to Jerusalem, and it ends up being 1,754 of them. And the king says, yes, yes, yes. We'll look at the king's letter in just a moment. He says yes to everything Ezra asked, and it says this, and this is the phrase that gets repeated a lot in Ezra 7 and 8. And so when anything gets repeated in a historical narrative of the Bible, like you're reading the Bible, like, I don't know what that means. If it gets repeated, the author's saying, this is it, this is it, this is it. So what gets repeated is some version of this. The hand of the Lord his God was on him. I'm going to call that favor. The hand of the Lord his God was on him, that God is doing something that human effort, human logic, human scheming, human planning cannot do on its own. God is opening doors that Ezra himself could not have opened. God is anointing and paving paths that Ezra himself could not open. It is the favor of God. Now, who wouldn't want that? If there is a God, you want him on your side, right? If there is a God, wouldn't you love The hand of the Lord is God was on me was on her and him and us as a people of God. And so we see that for some reason, the hand of the Lord is on this guy Ezra. Now this doesn't, favor does not mean favorites. Doesn't mean favorites. We'll see and unpack that. And we'll see and understand why the hand of the Lord was on Ezra. So Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month during the seventh year of the king. He began the journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month and arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month, six to nine hundred miles. Since the, and here it is again, since the gracious hand of his God was on him, grace means nobody deserves it. You just get it because God's a giver. Grace means I didn't deserve it, I didn't merit it, I didn't earn it, it didn't come because I prayed for three weeks straight, it didn't come because I had perfect church attendance. It comes, and there's some conditions we meet, but it is totally a gift, a grace of God. But the gracious hand of the Lord his God was on him, and he makes it back to Jerusalem. So the first thing I want us to see, and this includes every single person I'm talking to, I don't care what you think of yourself, I don't care what somebody has told you about yourself, I don't care what your resume is. I don't care what somebody said about you last week or on social media. God seeks people to give his favor to. And you need to see yourself as potentially eligible for that favor. And what I want you to see today is that your life without favor is like tea without sweet, french fries without ketchup, and hibachi without the yum yum. God seeks people to give his favor. And I want you to see this in scripture because this is the pattern of God. Now listen, favor is not what you need from God to stay alive. 
Favor has nothing to do with your existence. It has to do with your significance. Hear me? Favor is not, God, give me something to eat. Give me just money, you know, to pay the bills. Favor is beyond existence. Favor is beyond staying alive. Favor is beyond good health, good money, and good friends. Favor has to do with your significance. Here we go. Let's look at it. Genesis 1.28, God's created Adam and Eve. So they have everything they need to stay alive. That's Genesis day one through six, right? And, then, and one through five. Day six, he creates Adam and Eve, and then he blessed them. He favored them. And what did he say? He said, be fruitful and multiply. Here's, here's why you're here. You're not here just to consume oxygen. You're not here just to consume resources. You are here to be fruitful. So make a bunch of babies. Multiply because they, these babies all reflect God perfectly at this point. There's no sin. They're, they're, a, they're a mirror to reflect God. And fill the earth and subdue it, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Favor. He blessed them. Well, then they chose to walk away from God's favor, and they sinned. And then we flip over to Genesis 6, and look what it says. The Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth, and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. We don't need God. We'll exist apart from God. So you can have existence apart from God. You can't have significance apart from God. And then even, it it talks about God's emotional state. We get to get inside the Trinity and see how God feels about wickedness, evil, and sin. The Lord regretted that he made man on the earth. Wow. And he was deeply grieved. But, 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 Noah, however, found what? There's our word, favor. Found favor with the Lord. He was a righteous man. And God saw him and he found favor. Not, not favor to stay alive, but favor related to purpose. Second Chronicles says this, the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those whose hearts are, those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. Now let's correct something. The favor of God does not mean favors from God. The favor of God is, does not mean favors from God. And I always want to warn you because America exports a heinous theology. It's called the prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel is that when Jesus died, he purchased healing for everybody, money for everybody, and, and you know, just prosperity in the American context of what it means to be prosperous. It's basically the American de- dream attached to God that, hey, all you got to do is ask, believe, and have faith. And most of these people are on TV. It is heinous. It is unbiblical. This is not what we're talking about. You are not here on earth to make a whole bunch of money and make a name for yourself. You are not here on earth to stay alive till you're 100. That is, nobody is here. Those are not your reasons for existence, period. And, and if, it's all in the Bible that, that we have adversity, that we have suffering, but we are here for a reason. So the favor of God does not mean favors from God. In fact, God does not give you favor to spend on yourself. God does not give you favor to spend on yourself. So what happened, and let's zero in and, and see maybe why Ezra himself was favored. Here's what it says. Probably the key, the key verse is Ezra 7.10. That un, to me, this verse unlocks the meaning of the whole chapter. Now, Ezra had determined. You've heard the word determination. Decided, resolved, committed to something. 
He had determined in his heart, this is not a superficial commitment. This is not, hey, I'll volunteer at church, show up once and never show up again. This is, I have determined to do something. And what does he determined to do? To study the law of the Lord. To study, probably he's got at least the first five books of the Bible, the, first, the Torah. He's studying the law of Moses, and that's his determination. But not only is he going to study it, he wants to obey it. And not only is he going to obey it, he's going to teach it statutes and ordinances to other people in Israel. Now, here's what's significant. He makes this determination when he's in exile in Babylon. So he, in faith, realizes God has a purpose back in the promised land. He, in faith, wants to be a person who God would send back to the promised land. And he has a vision for his life bigger than his life. Let me say that again. He has a vision for his life bigger than his life. Because he wants to determine to study, obey, and teach. Not in Babylon, but in the promised land itself. In Israel itself. So here's what this is meaning. Here's what I think we need to see from this about this concept of favor. We can't force favor from God. But we can position ourselves for it. We cannot force God and say, God, just favor me. But we can position ourselves for it. Now, this starts to explain why some of us miss favor or don't want favor. Because when you begin to position yourself for favor, it sort of feels like you got to get inside the fence. And, 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 and listen, as human beings, right, we don't want to be in the fence. But I want us all to be in the fence of favor. The fence of God's favor. See, outside the fence, what? We're free, maybe. We're undisciplined, maybe. We, we pick and choose. You know, we kind of ping pong around, and, and where we land, nobody knows. But Ezra says, I am determined. That's the word of focus, of discipline, of energy. So I'm going to move inside the fence. I'm determined to do something that God wants to bless. God wants to bless his word. God, God has, an etern- has a purpose in Israel. And Ezra says, I want to be a part of that. Ezra's purpose, Ezra's determination is not to be healthy and wealthy in Babylon, which a lot of Jews became wealthy in Babylon. Ezra's like, I'm going to move, I'm going to study, I'm going to discipline myself, and I'm going to get inside the fence of God's favor. My prayer has been all day, as I've been preparing is that you and I, you as individuals and we as Rockbridge Community Church would say, whatever it takes, I want to be, we want to be in the fence of God's favor. We don't want to be outside of God's favor, just like we don't want hibachi without yum-yum, french fries without ketchup, and, sweet, and tea without sweet. And we don't want to walk as a church I don't want you to live as a person who does not know, does not hunger, and does, is not willing to get behind the fence of God's favor. Now, let me just say this. When you get behind the fence, there's some costs involved, right? There's some sacrifices involved. There's some discipline involved. You got to say no to some things. The guy that says, I'm going to study God's law with not only a commitment to study it, but to obey it and then to teach it to other people, that guy's saying no to some other things. That guy's saying, hey, I don't, have time. I don't have as much time for television. I don't have as much time for social media. i got to put my smartphone away at some point. It's just like the athlete who says, hey, i got to go to practice. i got to go to the gym. i got to eat a different diet. That doesn't include yum-yum sauce. 
So all of us are, know that we have to say no to some things to get some better things. And that's why sometimes pursuing God's favor feels like getting behind the fence and, man, I, I can't go out there. But this, inside the fence, that's where God's looking. Second Chronicles 16, he's roaming the earth. His eyes, who sees inside your soul, my soul, he's roaming the earth. And he's like, who's in the fence? Is Rockbridge in the fence? They, are you in the fence? Now, now let, let me correct something. I say this to you a lot. Christianity is not compliance with a couple of rules. Christianity is not compliance with the Big Ten. It includes that. God's holy. Christianity is not just a bunch of thou shalt nots. And this is not minimal Christianity. I want you and I to have a vision that it accords with Scripture. It's why one of our, our, our first core value we say at Rockbridge, we are kingdom seekers. Not Rockbridge seekers. Not American dream seekers. Not health and wealth seekers. But the kingdom of Jesus. That's what we're about. That's what church is supposed to be about. See, I think sometimes we take a... Here's our vision of church. Do they have what is it? Do I like the preaching? Do I like the music? Do I like the kids and youth programs? That's my church. We're not here to spend God's favor on ourselves. We're, we're not here to be comfortable with 200 people or 400 people or just, hey, we've grown. We've got to get more comfortable with more people. No, we're here because there's a kingdom ruled by a resurrected Jesus who has asked us to have a vision bigger than ourselves, a kingdom-sized vision of displaying and demonstrating and declaring his love to the ends of the earth. But it starts, what? With a determination to get inside the fence. Let's look at this in Scripture. Let's go to Joshua. Joshua makes a determination. He gives his farewell address. He says, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. That's determination. First Samuel, she prayed. Remember Hannah prayed. If you remember this story, she couldn't have a baby, couldn't have a baby, couldn't have a baby. Finally, she gets pregnant. Finally, she has a baby. And listen to what she says. She says, I prayed for this boy. And since the Lord gave me what I asked for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he's given to the Lord. That's the determination. I am going to put this child who becomes Samuel inside the fence of God's favor. Daniel, he's, he's one of the first people exiled to Babylon. This is the beginning of the exilic period. What does Daniel say? He determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine that he drank. He says, I can't eat your food, king. I got to eat a food that accords with my Jewish diet. That's Daniel moving inside the fence of God's favor. Read the rest of the story. Daniel was a favored man in an unholy pagan land. Go to the book of Acts. Jesus is resurrected now. Look what happens in 19 and 20. They're, 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 they're being told not to speak about Jesus. Don't talk about Jesus. Well, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to speak or to stop speaking about what we've seen or heard. We are determined to be in the fence of God's favor, which means we're going to talk about a resurrected Jesus. No matter if you whip us, no matter if you kill us, we have determined to be behind the fence of God's favor. And then they go into Acts 4.29 and they have a prayer 
prayer meeting, and look what happens. And now, Lord, consider their threats. They're trying to shut us up and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. We're not going to shut up. We're going to stay behind the fence of God's favor. So do we have a vision like that? Do you have a vision like that? Do you hear the invitation? Listen, listen, listen. Every single person here, atheist, I'm, I'm not yet a Christian. I've been out of church for a long time. Man, I've, I'm hurt. I got habits. I got hang-ups that aren't good. Uh, you know, I've just played church for 50 years. I'm a devoted Christian. Every single person in here, in your soul, has a desire to be significant. Why? Because God puts you on earth not just to take up oxygen. God puts you on earth to play a part in his kingdom, to be a participant in his movement, to share in his glory. And and I want you to yearn for it. I want you to hunger for it. And I want you to be willing to say, God, I will get behind the fence of your favor. Now, do we as a church want to be behind the fence of God's favor? Listen. There's a narrative that people pick churches like they pick restaurants. Oh, I like the preacher there. Oh, I like the kids' ministry. Oh, we know some people there. Now, I want all those things to be true. But at this church, rather than knowing me and liking me, I want you to love Jesus. In this church, in this church, I want you to be more about the cause of King Jesus than about your personal comfort and what's convenient for you. Because you and I were not created to live for convenience and comfort. We were created to live for a king. And that means we've got to determine we're going to get behind the fence of God's favor. And we're not going to move. And we're going to stay here. And we're going to do and be a part of what God has called, created, and commissioned us to be a part of. I want you to consider our history. You need to know this. Because, you know, if, if you've only been here for maybe a couple of years, you need to know our history. And this is who we are. 25 adults who were burdened for 50,000. That's how many unchurched people existed in Whitfield County when the Dalton campus was started. 25 adults who said, hey, I like God's purpose over my preference I never forget so many people in our core group, they preferred, some of them preferred traditional music. And I said, hey, we got to build a bridge. We got to build a bridge. There's plenty of churches do traditional music. We got some people who, who they, they said it's like speaking a foreign language. We want to be a bridge building church. We don't want to have dress codes. And I remember one of those core group members came up to me and said, I like seeing people baptized more than I like my music. It's who we are. It's who we are. People said, hey, we, we, we said we've determined we're not going to debate God's word. It's without error. I've had people come and say, and I've said, look, we're not going to change our belief statement because you've got a problem with it. Because our belief statement is the Bible. Right? That's just who we are. And, and then people said, hey, we value truth over tradition. Nothing wrong with tradition, but when tradition clouds out truth... We've stepped outside the fence of God's favor. Now, when this begins to happen and we begin to see and understand this, then we begin to understand what favor looks like. 
So this is Ezra, right? Ezra, I've determined to get behind the fence of God's favor. Look at what happens next. The king, King Artaxerxes, he's not, he doesn't worship Yahweh. He's not a Jew. He's a political, power-hungry, military leader. He writes a letter. This is the text of the letter King Artaxerxes gave to Ezra, the priest and scribe, who was an expert in the matter of the Lord's commands and statutes for Israel. We're going to snapshot this letter. Listen to what he says. Artaxerxes, king of kings, to Ezra the priest, an expert in the law of the God of heavens. Greetings. I issue a decree that any of the Israelites in my kingdom, including the priests and Levites who want to go with Jerusalem, may go with you. Open invitation. You are sent by the king and his seven counselors to evaluate Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of your God, which is in your possession. Ezra, go fulfill your purpose. Ezra, go teach people in Israel the word of God. This is a non, this would be like a non-Christian coming to me and saying, Matt, you're a pastor. Preach the Bible, baby. Preach Jesus, baby. I'm like, what? We just got some yum-yum sauce, didn't we? And then it goes on. It says, and you, Ezra, according to God's wisdom that you possess, appoint magistrates and judges to judge all the people in the region west of the Euphrates who know the laws of your God and to what, what did Ezra commit himself? What did Ezra determine to do? He's going to teach the law in Israel. Look what the king says. Teach anyone who does not know the law. The king has favored the man Ezra who's behind the fence. Unexpected. Un- inexplicable. Inexplicable. That's what favor does. Favor looks like opportunity. Favor feels like responsibility. Hear me. Favor is not reward, it's responsibility. And favor requires more faith. Favor requires more faith. You got the muscle, faith is like a muscle. When God gives you favor, it's like if you're bench pressing and somebody comes up and just slaps another couple, about 20 more pounds on the side. Let's go for it. It's more faith. It's more fun too because of this abundant life. So, so, so let's be clear. Favor does not mean easier, it means through. God wants to do something through you. God wants to do something in you, through you. It's not God wants to make your life easier, your job easier, your health easier. Although he may do some of those things to favor you for something else or to favor, to give you favor to do so he can do something else through you. But it doesn't mean easier, it means through. So let me define favor. Favor is God-given, which means it's by grace. It's a God-given opportunity and provision that ultimately caused God to be displayed through a person or a people. Remember our, our original purpose? We're image bearers of God. People were supposed to, as, as Adam and Eve filled the earth, you'd look at humankind, man and woman together. You'd look at men and women, and we'd, you'd say, that's what God's like, that, that we can see God. Then you go to Romans 8, you go to Colossians, and it talks about Jesus, and we're going to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. God's renewing the image of himself. We're being renewed in his likeness, Colossians 3. What's God doing? He's a renewing project that making us look more like Jesus, and then we go and show, and we go and tell, and we go and teach, like Ezra, go and teach, and we show people what what God looks like. We show people glimpses of his love, glimpses of his character. That's what favor is for. Favor is so God can be displayed through a person or a people. And then look how the story ends. Ezra 27, 27 says this, Blessed be the Lord. 
the God of our fathers who has put into the king's mind to glorify the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And who has shown favor to me? Ezra realizes it. Ezra realizes, he's like, look, I can't explain it. I didn't deserve it, but I'm going to receive it, and I'm going to walk in it. But this God has shown favor to me before the king and his counselors and all of his powerful officers. So I took courage because I was strengthened, here's our phrase, by the hand of the Lord my God. I was strengthened by his favor, and I gathered the Israelite leaders to return with me. Now listen, remember, remember I said this a few moments ago. You're not supposed to spend favor on yourself. Favor always makes God the hero. God is always the hero of the favor because you and I are here to glorify him. That people would look at our lives. Now they might laugh when you get behind the fence because people don't understand this kind of living. But as they watch you, as you're faithful to ask for and faithful with favor... You get an audience. You get to explain why you do inexplicable things. You get to explain why you have a peace that passes all understanding. You get to explain why you have a hope that doesn't disappoint. When someone says, hey, it just looks like everything's always working out for you in your business. Why is that? And you're like, well, because I give 20% of that back to the Lord. What? Hey, you walk through cancer and you didn't dismay and you didn't despair. Why? Because I'm in the fence of God's favor. Rockbridge, why has God shown up? I hope it's because we've said we're not about us. We're about the glory of God. And we're about teaching more people about the glory of God. We're going to stay behind the fence of God's favor. So let's try to apply this here. Let's not leave the same way we walked in. So here's applying it. First thing I would suggest and encourage, would you make a determination that could lead to favor? Would you make a determination? Now, you need to pray about this. You can talk to your small group about it. Talk to your wife, your kids about it. This is your conversation on the car ride home or conversation over your next meal or bedtime or whatever with your family or with your uh, spiritual mentor or with, with somebody is what kind of determination could lead to favor? So I'm going to determine to get behind the fence of God's favor. For some of you, it's like, hey, I am not going to miss church. And that's where you start. Others of you, you need to make a commitment not to miss God's word every day in your life. Some of you, 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 you've got platforms in your job, platforms in your neighborhood, but you haven't spoken the name of Jesus in six months or six years. You need to make a determination. Hey, I'm going to start speaking the name of Jesus. I didn't say go crazy. I just said speak positively about the name of Jesus. I, I don't know what it looks like, what determination you all need to make. But would you pray? Say, God, what determination do I need to make to get behind the fence of your favor? Do not make your Christianity about, hey, I need to drink less and go to church more. Make your Christianity about what it is in the Word of God and what it is in the heart of God. God, would you display your life and yourself and your love through me? And when we make that determination, then we begin to measure our lives and move in our lives and in our church by this powerful word called favor. That I'm going to measure my life. Where does God give me favor? And I'm going to move in the direction of God's favor. I wish God would favor my health. 
But maybe he's not favoring your health the way you think he should. Receive that. Maybe he's favoring your peace and your attitude about your health. Let your light shine. You wish God would favor your bank account. Who doesn't? You wish God would favor your dating life, but he's not. Well, then maximize your singleness to the glory of God. Use what he is giving you, not what he's not giving you. Measure your life and move with God in your life by favor. Now, let me talk about two places. First place you find favor is in the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus died in your place. Jesus gives you an opportunity to live forever with him. Jesus gives you an opportunity to be in his family. Jesus gives you an opportunity to miss the wrath of God and to receive the love and grace of God. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it, but he's provided for it. The fence of God's favor with the gospel looks like this. I I use the word base to help me remember this. There's nothing checkbox about it, just a way to remember and share the gospel with you. You've got to believe in Jesus, that he died for you, he was buried, and he was resurrected. You've got to believe that thing, believe that truth. You have to accept his gift of forgiveness. God really died in your place. God really died for your sins, and he wants to give you new life. You've got to be willing to switch, give Jesus the steering wheel of your life, surrender, and move from living by, for yourself to living by his spirit. Now look, sometimes this feels like you're getting behind the fence, but it's the fence of favor. And then you express love to God who first loved you. He loved you because he died for you. He loved you when he died for you. You didn't deserve it. That's called unconditional love. So when you fall back in love with God, you know God's love language is obedience. First step of obedience is baptism. So you seek his favor first in the gospel and remind yourself, preach the gospel to yourself every day. And then the second way you find is you seek favor for his glory. Not your glory, not my glory, not Rockbridge's glory, but the glory of God. The glory of God. So I pray that you walk out of here with a hunger to build your life around something bigger than you. And I pray you make a determination to get behind the fence of God's favor and ask God, God, would you give me your favor? And God, would you display your life through mine? Let's pray together. God, I thank you for every person here. I pray that we've received what you wanted us to receive. We've heard what you wanted us to hear. We've seen what you wanted us to see. And now, God, we're going to do what you ask us to do. God, give everybody clarity about the determination they need to make. Like Ezra did in 500-something B.C., he determined. God, give us a determination to get behind the fence of your favor. And then, God, may we measure our lives and move with you in our lives based on where and how you're giving us favor. Because, God, you want to do something through us all. Through us doesn't mean life will be easier or more comfortable or more convenient. It may be costly, but it's worth it. it may be sacrificial, but it's worth it. God, favor Rockbridge Community Church. Favor every person here today that's willing to make a determination to live for you. We praise you, Jesus, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.